This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. For this third week in our Seeds of September series, exploring the current state of seed, we're joined by seed keeper Rowan White. Rowan is the founder of Sierra Seeds, the chair of Seed Savers Exchange, and an active member of the Indigenous Seed Keeper Network. Sierra Seeds is a small regional seed and seed stewardship cooperative based in Nevada County, California. In their introduction to their work, Rowan writes, Providing access to regionally adapted seeds that thrive in our unique conditions in the Sierra foothills of Northern California is only one facet of our mission. Seeds are only the beginning, and every seed we plant is a tiny, loving prayer in action. By bridging both practical, hands-on skills with indigenous knowledge and reverence, we are cultivating a way of seed stewardship that is based upon service to life and seeds, finding ourselves again by rekindling a relationship with our food that is mutually beneficial and truly honors the seeds for all that they continue to share with us. She signs off, In Solidarity with Seeds. Rowan joins us today from the studios of KVMR in Nevada City, California. Welcome, Rowan. Thank you so much for having me on. If you could start us off by describing your current work and life in seeds, Rowan. Well, first and foremost, uh, my life is intimately guided by uh, the seasons. I see the seasonal cycles as inextricable from my own kind of internal sort of ceremonial cycles. So I, I also see my work on the land with seeds coming as a mother, mm-hmm. a woman who feels strongly determined to feed her children uh, with foods that are healthy, have rich story, and also have ancestral connection to the long lineage of uh, Mohawk people who we descend from. So uh, I I wear a lot of hats. I have a lot of different roles and responsibilities that I carry in my bundle. Uh, We live on a 10-acre farm uh, in Northern California, and the focus and mission and purpose of that farm is to be a safe haven and a sanctuary for many, many different heirloom seeds of not only ancestral seeds of my people, but many, many seeds that I've been entrusted with throughout my travels across Turtle Island and internationally. So I see myself as uh, a guardian and a caretaker of those seeds. We grow over 100 different varieties each and every season on our farm and make them available to our community and through various kinship and indigenous trade networks. We also do a lot of educational work here on the farm. I homeschool both my children. I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. And at the heart of our curriculum is working on the farm and working with the land. We also invite a lot of people to our farm on a weekly basis, and then also seasonally we host workshops and various events that help connect people to land, to help increase their seed literacy, to help them to understand the, the importance of the relationships that we have to our food and to the, to the beings that nourish us, us each and every day. Yeah. Um, in terms of what it's like you know, month to month and, you know, season to season, 
Uh, it's it's quite varied. You know, we follow, you know, this. I've always said in my work that I grow corn and I grow seeds, but I feel like the seeds and the corn are growing me, right? So they're the ones who are mm. guiding me in this work. Creating a space on our farm within many of the mentorship cohorts that I lead to grow good seed stewards. So that's really at the mm-hmm. heart and mission of what we do is to is to just get people more familiar with the importance of the role of seed within our local food system and how people can do like I do, which is that the seeds are the seeds and the plants are my teachers and they they teach me all that they need. So, but I would like to to go back to some of your earliest influences that you can share with us that grew you up into a person who was deeply connected and interested in these values and that led you to this kind of work? My path with this seed work has been, it's been an incredibly intimate story. And really how I view it, it's been a very unconventional rites of passage as I've grown in my love and my passion uh, for caring for seeds and really stepping into a role, not only a seed keeper, but as as a mother and a community member. Uh, really, I can take you back almost 20 years now. I've been walking on this path, and I had left home, uh, went uh, to college, and was really seeking to know a little bit more about nutrition and, and diet and, and, you know, how we ate, you know, coming from uh, an indigenous community of people who are who have been deeply impacted by the negative aspects of colonization and acculturation and displacement and and really seeing firsthand how that affects not only our physical health, our spiritual well-being, our emotional and mental well-being, really having a lot of questions and inquiry around what role our food plays in our health and well-being. And so I went. Um, left home. I I found myself in Massachusetts uh, at a place called Hampshire College, uh, which fortunately, I I didn't really totally understand how it was all going to piece together then, but uh, they had a working organic farm as a part of uh, the college program there. And much of the science uh, and natural science classes were hosted on the farm kind of as a living laboratory and a living classroom. And I found myself Uh, working there as a part of a financial aid work (laughs) study program on the farm. And it was the first time in my life, I was 17, it was the first time in my life that I felt whole, that I felt grounded, that I felt purposeful. Uh, And it was a deeply transformative time for myself. And one of my mentors, Nancy Hansen, had developed a beautiful community-supported agriculture program as part of the farm and a previous student who had gone uh, to the school had initiated this uh, heirloom tomato, uh, it was an heirloom tomato seed project where she gathered together around 50 different varieties of different tomatoes from all over the world and were, they were planted as a part of the farm. And when I came on uh, to work, I was just so fascinated walking through the fields and seeing all of the different colors of tomatoes, you know, that tomatoes didn't just come round and red, right? Or that they came from some other place than just canned off the shelf. And so it was a a huge aha moment for me about agricultural biodiversity and just the magic of that. And so that next spring, 
she entrusted me with working specifically in the greenhouse and planting a lot of those particular heirloom seeds that they grew on the farm there. And I remember very specifically having a moment on this dusty farmhouse floor. It was an old New England farmhouse and going through the boxes and crates of of seed packets and Mm -hmm. looking at all of the different names of the varieties and many of the different varieties um, not only described the particular characteristic, maybe the color or the flavor, but also had a had a name usually attached or a place. And so it was at that moment that I began to kind of put the pieces together. I began to read some of these old seed catalogs and Seed Savers Exchange yearbook descriptions about these various tomato seeds that I had been planting and began to realize that not only did seeds come in this whole prism of different colors and flavors and and shapes, but that they were intimately connected and intertwined with story and lineage and place and people. And so it began to really illuminate and shed light on this beautiful co-evolutionary dance that humans and plants have been intertwined with for millennia. You know, it was a huge aha moment. And quite honestly, it was also, I think, equal to my joy and enthusiasm and excitement and inspiration in learning, kind of opening this new doorway of understanding into not only the biological diversity that has come from this relationship between plants and humans, but also this deep cultural and spiritual connection that people have to plants that they've carried along through the generations. I had all this joy and excitement about that, but quite honestly, there was equal to that a kind of a palpable sense of of grief and and longing and and an understanding as a Mohawk woman, as somebody who understands who I am and where I come from, and that we were and continue to be agricultural people, that I was there as a young woman having no idea about the foods that fed my ancestors and uh, have, having no idea and no sense of intimacy or, or understanding of my relationship and or my responsibility to them. And so that was a really critical moment in my life, honestly, of a cornerstone moment in my life where I made a commitment kind of in that, both that joy and that grief of the acknowledgement of that, that I was going to Um, set out on a path to discover the foods of my ancestors and really begin to renew what I eventually found out were these original agreements that we have with those plants to take care of them. Um, And so the last 20 years has been this beautiful, intricate and beautiful pathway uh, that has really illuminated my deeper understanding, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, of those original agreements that we as Mohawk people have to what we call our seed relatives, our, our, our plant relatives. And, you know, it's really taken me down a beautiful path. And I, I have a lot of respect and a lot of gratitude for all the forces seen and unseen that have guided me in that work. We all descend from people who are indigenous to a place and have yeah. as yeah. a part of our creation stories and a part of our cultural understanding of who we are, that we have these covenants and these agreements with the plants that nourish us and can have nourished us since time immemorial, you know? Mm-hmm. And what I, what I realize in this modern world is that it's really easy to forget uh, about those um, original agreements, um, but it, it doesn't take but a small amount of time for people to 
you know, look at a beautiful cob of corn or jars of, you know, seeds that are on a table for me to see very quickly and clearly the rehydration of people's memory, you know, their cellular memory Mm -hmm. of how important, you know, those relationships are and how vital they are and how we are bound in a reciprocal relationship with plants. And um, unfortunately for many of us, that has been severed. And there's probably not a one of us who's, who's listening now that is untouched um, by the grief of disconnection, you know? And so mm-hmm. I've found this to be a very compelling, a very um, sensual in, in a way, a very palpable way of finding our way back home, right? Of, you know, learning more about ourselves through uh, the foods that we eat and through the foods that are ancestors have have left for us Uh, Mm -hmm. you know those ancestors a long long time ago you know they prayed for us that we would have good food to eat right the the more and more that I continue down this path and continue to cultivate receptivity and humility uh, and relationship with these plants uh, that I I gain a deeper understanding of the fact that those seeds not only carry a bundle of nourishment and vitamins and protein, but they also in, are encoded with this this memory, you know, this cultural memory and these mm-hmm. prayers and all of these things that our ancestors left for us inside of those seeds for us to uncover, you know. And so when we eat those foods again, it's a lot easier for us to remember what it really means to be human, right? And yeah, yes. so much about this modern world is denatured food and industrialized food system that really kind of continues to emphasize that de- that disconnection, right? And so um, part of finding our way back home to what I envision as a, a sane, uh, beautiful world that I want my children to inherit is to begin to remember that, right? And to remember that reciprocal relationship. It's been very compelling for me and really heals a lot of the intergenerational trauma that's held within my own bloodlines. You know, the last mm-hmm. generation of people to farm in my family were my great grandparents. And both my great grandparents and my grandparents were impacted by the acculturation of the boarding school era. You know, they had mm-hmm. their language and their cultural quite literally beaten out of them. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. for me, I make my life a, a, a love poem and an honoring song to them for all they endured. Um, and I make a recommitment through the work that I do uh, that I don't forget them and I don't forget their struggles and all that they did to ensure that these seeds and these foods would still be here today. Uh, and I make a commitment to cultivate that seed literacy and that seed understanding with not only my children, but with the many communities that I have the honor and privilege of visiting and, and sharing with. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. We're speaking today with seed keeper and seed keeping mentor and advocate Rowan White, founder of Sierra Seeds in Northern California, chair of the Seed Savers Exchange, and leadership member of the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network. We'll be back with more of Rowan's work and words after a break. Stay with us. Hi, it's Jennifer, and welcome to the third in our seed series this week with Rowan White. It is such an honor to listen to Rowan's story and her wisdom born of this story, 
of her experiences and her reflection and work. There is also for me a very strong sense of my own need and responsibility and accountability for really hearing Rowan's story and to hold the space and attention for it that it deserves. We all have so much to learn from one another. This is part and parcel of what Rowan sees happening in this seed work among and between caring, thoughtful people, reconciliation and reparations for those people and plants who deserve so much more of both of these. When Rowan relates her understanding that our ancestors sent prayers forward that we, their descendants, would have good food to eat. My skin kind of tingled. And I have to ask myself in all honesty, what prayers are we, what prayers am I, speaking through my own everyday actions for the good food and good lives of my descendants? Okay, now back to our conversation with Rowan White seed saver, seed steward, and powerful mentor. That very primal and human response to seeds and to plants, I find really an aspect of of every gardener that I know, those that have an emotional and spiritual, not just physical relationship to their garden. I don't know a person who can walk, say, for instance, at this time of year, Rowan, and not instinctively reach down to pick up an acorn or to (laughs) blow a dandelion. So you move from the Northeast to Northern California. And I think originally maybe the growing of seed and then the sharing of seed was one of your primary um, instincts from the beginning. And then it really grew and expanded into what you referred to just now as growing seed stewards and growing seed keepers. Talk about some of the the organizations and communities of people that you uh, are active with and work with and help steward along in in this educational realm? I was transplanted uh, as a young mother uh, to Northern California uh, following uh, my husband had a job out here and I was on maternity leave. Uh, I was actually helping to co-manage the, the farm that I was had been so impacted by through my mentorship and apprenticeship. And I found myself here uh, just outside of Nevada City, a young mother, really kind of, you know, introspective and trying to figure out what was the next, you know, step upon this path and really was deeply inspired um, here by the really vibrant and resilient local food movement, you know, that's happening mm-hmm. really all over the country. But specifically in this community, it was really beautiful to meet all of the farmers here who are, you know, working so diligently and so hard uh, to ensure that there is some sense of food sovereignty and food security here in this in this watershed and in this food shed. So I began, you know, a little bit in that kind of isolation of new motherhood, began to wonder, like, you know, where are the people that really think about the food system and this 
and this you know work in the same way that I do because what I found was that when you walk through any farmers market and you begin to talk with farmers that a lot of people are really excited about the transparency around um, knowing where our food comes from but there's mm-hmm. really not so many people really following that back all the way to the seed and understanding who's taking care of the seed and stewarding it and as I began to talk with local farmers here in this region. Almost all of them um, imported seed from off the farm from many amazing uh, seed sources, um, but weren't actively involved in seed stewardship within their own um, farm or garden. Uh, We hosted a seed swap here, which is a wonderful way to kind of find your seed folk and Mm. to find the people in your area who have an alignment of vision and values around seed that you do. And that began a conversation with a number of local farmers and gardeners who were intrigued and inspired about figuring out what would seed security and what would a community seed initiative look like here in this region. And that was kind of the humble roots of uh, CR Seeds. It was a cooperative uh, from the beginning, really pooling together uh, the resources from many different folks here in this region um, to really think about uh, what we call the seed shed, right? We talk a lot about watershed and we talk a lot about food shed, but really thinking and tracing back where the seeds coming from and that support our local food system. And so we kind of informally got together uh, one winter and decided that we were going to all take some responsibility and um, care and grow uh, for you know a number of different varieties of seed and then kind of pool them together and find some way to distribute them within our community. And so for those uh, initial years, we continued to host uh, the seed exchanges, um, but we also developed seed packets and had retail seed racks, and uh, we even had an online store and all of these things. But over the years, and there was a really beautiful and inspiring commitment that the growers had to uh, stewarding these seeds, and and many of those growers continue to uh, cultivate and, and save seed within their farm or garden. Um, but what I realized as kind of the person who was really holding the space and, and really being the interface with that group is that what this community needed um, specifically uh, to really adequately support our efforts was a lot more education around seed literacy and why local seed was important, right? So I feel like Mm -hmm. we had the cart a little bit before the horse. Mm -hmm. And so that really helped us hone the mission of CR Seeds into not only being able to provide access to high quality regionally adapted seed that are very that's very specific to this unique growing environment we're at high elevation with kind of a wet and dry season as opposed to a four season cycle and so we made a commitment not only to making those seeds available and having a community seed bank, which is hosted on our farm. And we also have an, a barn full of tools that uh, local seed growers can use to clean seed and to uh, make that seed ready for storage and make it available uh, for distribution. But we also really honed in on kind of what I would say is the heart of our work, which is again, growing good seed stewards and really creating educational programs that really help uh, assist and support um, not only uh, farmers and gardeners and how, you know, the very practical hands-on skills of how to save seed and carry it from one generation to the next, um, but also having a very strong commitment to educating 
eaters and, and teachers and, and community members about the importance of uh, the agricultural biodiversity um, that is this collective inheritance that has been handed down. And that's really when I started to really kind of branch off down that path, I really found my own heart in this work and my passion mm. for uh, teaching and mentoring uh, and sharing story and really helping to uh, speak on behalf of the seed and advocate for them and advocate for uh, durable local food systems that have a beautiful seed component to them. And so we have, you know, we've developed immersions and different programs, both in person and online, that really help people to cultivate a sense of seed literacy. My, you know, I have to, as a mentor, I share from a very personal perspective. And so it's really hard for me to feel like I can just talk about the practical and scientific aspects <laughs> of seed stewardship. I right. It's an, an imperative for me to include the cultural, spiritual, mm -hmm. um, emotional elements of seed. Because for me, you know, Wendell Berry, he's a wise poet and, and writer. He said, we exploit what we merely value, but we defend what we love. And yeah. part of my journey with seed keeping was to engage and restore a relationship where I loved these seeds like they were my children, right? That they were my family members. And what I feel like sometimes not always embraced or embodied um, within the larger food system is this sense of love and relationship and intimacy uh, that we have with the foods that feed us every single day. If we get people to engage the heart and engage layers of that kind of spiritual and emotional and cultural connection, to seeds, um, then that's true sustainability with the movement. All of the agricultural biodiversity that we see, that we delight, I mean, so many farmers and gardeners and, and just lovers of, of life love to page through seed catalogs and see all the colors and the gem-like seeds and all of the, the beautiful uh, expressions that they offer us. That's a very beautiful picture and portrait of the cultural dimension of biodiversity, right? That the reason why we have like hundreds of different types of or thousands of different types of beans and corns and peppers and tomatoes is because people, we inherently love diversity. We inherently know that that's a cornerstone for our resilience and our, our capacity to survive on this earth. And so much of my educational approach as a, as a seed mentor through Sierra Seeds and then through some of my other projects is to not separate them, is to make sure that we're creating curriculums and creating modes of inquiry that include all of those things. And then also looking at the political nature of our work. You know, there's so many layers uh, to this work um, that, you know, I'm trying to invite more people in and widen the circle, that we need uh, seed advocates and seed keepers who are more than just farmers or gardeners. We need all walks of life to begin to share the story of seeds and why they're so important in our food system. And that sense of, of holistic integration, that it's not just a thing and it's not just a biological process. You do this and then you do this and then you can mm -hmm. save the seed. But that understanding that it is, there is a, a mutual interdependence is... Um, it's, it's beautiful and it's important. Well, and you know, the, the beautiful part is that almost all of us, you know, who, who are listening are 
probably just a few generations removed from the act of saving a seed and, and keeping it for future generations and planting it in the ground was a vital part of our our ability yeah. to survive on the earth, right? Yep. And so yep. what I love so much, my passion for teaching and mentoring is to see that remembering, right? That, that <laughs> it's not that people are learning something new, it's just rehydrating something that is a part of their cellular memory. There was a very manufactured dismantling of the human connection and relationship to our food and to our seed and to the land um, yeah. as a part of continuing to um, consolidate and control the industrial food system. Uh, and so part of my activism uh, in this work is simple, is to get people to love and connect to seeds and food and earth again, right? Because yeah. that's a deeper revolution that I think has the capacity to kind of, you know, for lack of better words, or maybe it's the best word to use, is to kind of compost this current system that we live in. You know, this industrial food system really isn't the way that we're going to feed the future. Uh, it really is dependent upon small community food initiatives and seed initiatives that are diverse, that are adaptive, that are resilient. That's what's going to feed the future, right? And that's what's going to nourish the future. And so part of the long game approach, you know, to kind of, I guess, staring down the syndrome of industrial food systems, genetic modification. I see that all that is just a syndrome, right? And what does that come from? It's us forgetting as humans that we have a responsibility to take care of the earth and to take care of seeds and to take care of um, our food. And unfortunately, in the last many decades, uh, we've abdicated that responsibility to corporations and to you know, many other entities. Mm -hmm. Sometimes very forcefully and violently, we've had to abdicate that responsibility. But part of the reclamation of that responsibility um, is very healing, you know. And I've been thinking a lot about how that healing can be glorious and it can be beautiful and it can be flavorful. <laughs> Following up on what you described in the beginning of, of your sharing with us about your early experiences, it is getting everybody to find that moment where they're sitting on the floor in that farmhouse looking at those seed packets and having that awakening of that joy of that connection and that grief over what has been lost or not even known and taking both of those things and moving forward with them in full heartedness. Yeah, this was a very unex. This whole pathway has been very unexpected for me. You know, I didn't look <laughs> as a young woman and think that this was going to be my path. The most influential teachers in my life were, were to be these plants themselves. But I've just kind of asked them to guide my hands and to guide my work and use intuition and and receptivity and listening a lot in in what I am kind of allowing this work to unfold into. Part of the most unexpected aspects of being a seed mentor and facilitating conversations in community and with individuals around how do we reclaim uh, these responsibilities as part of our life is that emotional component, the, the grief, mm -hmm. you know, circling up and, you know, having a seed stewardship workshop and then having people feel like this was a life transformative experience for them mm -hmm. because it rehydrated parts of themselves that they didn't even really realize was missing or that they acknowledged a longing that they really never knew that they had, which was to have these storied, beautiful, intricate um, connections and, um, you know, relationships with these seeds. You know, as part of, as a Mohawk woman, 
the corn and the beans and the squash and the tobacco and the sunflowers and the strawberries, they're a part of our creation story. You know, when original woman first came to this earth and she sang the world awake, right? She sang, she shuffled upon the back of a turtle and sang the world awake. And then from uh, the body of her daughter, when she died in childbirth, sprang, you know, these life-sustaining plants that were going to be allies with us, you know, forever forward from that moment, we have a recognition that we are directly related to those plants, right? They're a part of our cosmogenealogy. They're a part of who we understand ourselves to be. And so many people across the globe have these stories, you know, of plants yeah. and medicines <laughs> um, being uh, with them since the beginning of time. And from my understanding from my elders is that the creation story never ended, right? As it continues to unfurl in every moment. And so every season in the spring when we have that opportunity to plant a garden and um, to figure out what we're going to be sowing upon the earth, that that creation story is renewed and that we get to see that connection and those teachings within that creation story spring to life again. But everybody wants to feel like they have purposeful work that their life is imbued with meaning. And this is vitally important as, a hum as part of our human experience. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. In this four-part series on seed in all its forms and states around the country, this week, our third installment, we have the honor of speaking with Rowan White, founder of Sierra Seeds, and an active and reverent seed-keeping mentor, teacher and keeper for her Mohawk community and for her worldwide community. Seeds properly cared for and understood are the small good beginnings of a truly sustainable food system and worldview. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Hey, it's Jennifer again. So many of Rowan's beautiful articulations about the importance of caring for and comprehending the power and history of seed resonated with me. She is so poetic. She is so poignant. I can't wait for her books. I took so many notes and starred so many thoughts like this one. At the heart and mission of what we do is grow good seed stewards to help people become more familiar with the role of seed within our food system and to see seeds as teachers themselves. Beautiful. And then the several references to the items of importance in her bundle, what she calls her bundle of tools, of skills, of values that she carries with her and puts to good use and work in this world. The seeds and her existential seed view, they're an integral part of Rowan's bundle of gifts that she brings to this world. This for me harkens back to Ira Wallace's reference last week to family heirlooms and the idea that we could all use a moment to review more carefully and clearly. What are in our bundles? What do we place there? What do we value? And then more challenging, what do we say we value versus what do we show we value? Do I ever drive you crazy with this kind of question? I know, I drive me crazy with it too. 
I thought this was a show about gardening, someone out there is thinking, shaking their head, and selecting a very disappointed two in the iTunes ratings and reviews, which is both sad and funny to me. Because this is about gardening. It really is. Because for me, gardening is the tiny container that holds a mirror for me of all of life all of its values and its lessons and its teachers in nature, in plants, in plants people, and my own agency to lovingly and productively and sometimes even funnily participate. This is one of the well-loved gifts in my bundle that I carry and I put into good work in this world. As do you, if there was one seed kernel of reason that I first began the journey that is now cultivating place with all of you, it is right here. It is in this feeling I've had too, too many times in my life that gardening is not essential or important or powerful. And so it goes undervalued as an offering in this world. It becomes a status symbol object seen in big glossy magazine spreads, which don't get me wrong, I like to look at, but that's not gardening. Or it's the cheapened, replicated version of itself on this weekend's discount flyer from the big box store on sale now, which is also not gardening. If you're listening still, thank you. Thank you for carrying gardening as a gift of love in your bundle, too. I hope you're as moved by Rowan and her work of meaning in this world as I am. These are good seeds to grow on. I would love for you to describe the work you do with the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network. The Indigenous Seed Keepers Network really sprung from grassroots efforts from people all over Turtle Island or North America. You know, my work and the work of many of us who are a part of the Indigenous Seed Keepers Network really rests upon generation upon generation of foresighted elders who understood that key component to us being able to survive on this on this earth throughout the many joys and and also the challenges and adversities was to have a bundle of seeds you know that were a part of um, that kind of cultural inheritance so as a seed keeper myself it is important for me to acknowledge all the elders and ancestors who uh, made it possible that I would be able at a young, as a young woman to go back to my community and begin to ask my elders about the seeds and be, them entrusting them to me. Um, so the, the Seed Keepers Network is part of the larger indigenous food sovereignty movement of recognizing that in all indigenous communities across Turtle Island, our food systems were very systematically dismantled as a part of colonization and acculturation, the, the colonial tools of you know, divide and conquer, very purposefully dismantled. And so the Seed Keepers Network has really been inspired by lots of global movements for seed freedom, um, most specifically by my dear friend and compadre Vandana Shiva, who uh, has really led the seed freedom movement in India. And so much of the success of their movement in India was around small villages and communities of people coming together in solidarity um, to leverage resources and to create more political clout 
around their rights, their inherent rights to save, trade, swap, share seeds in the face of corporate consolidation, right? And so here in North America, as a part of the intertribal food sovereignty movement that's been growing very rapidly in the last many decades, we realized that it was an imperative for us to begin to come together in solidarity around saving our seeds and and ensuring that there were vibrant community seed banks as a part of tribal food uh, initiatives. And what was lacking oftentimes in these communities were either people in place who could be mentors, who could help people to be good seed stewards. Mm-hmm. Um, some of this, a lot of the communities, the seeds themselves had been lost and and um, they were in the process of trying to reclaim and, and find these seeds again. Uh, and so we decided, you know, kind of as a part of cultivating legacy with a lot of um, the work that many of the individuals have brought into the circle was to come together and more formally create a network um, where we could raise grant money. We could also, um, you know, host gatherings and, um, you know, Skillshare and, and do a lot of things that um, would strengthen us as opposed to doing it all alone, uh, each and every one of us. And so that's really been growing in the last few years. And I feel really honored and privileged to have the opportunity to, to take leadership uh, within uh, that particular group. Um, right now, we are uh, involved in a couple of different uh very specific initiatives. One is, is, is that we're developing a seed sovereignty assessment toolkit, which is um, a series of resources that help tribal communities to kind of create a blueprint or a map of how they will be creating community seed projects or seed libraries or uh, seed banks, um, really guiding them through all of the steps and Uh, Also, training mentors who can help guide their community through this process of developing a community seed bank. So that's really exciting, and that will be available for distribution by the end of uh, this year. Uh, And then we also have been initiating uh, this work that we call seed rematriation. Maybe some of you are familiar with the word repatriation as it relates to uh, the reclamation and returning of Um, sacred ceremonial objects and or ancestral remains that have been taken from uh, native and indigenous communities uh, throughout, you know, the many centuries of colonization. Um, Repatriation is the act of bringing those uh, ancestors and those funerary objects um, back home again. Um, What we're recognizing as I work, um, you know, I travel all over Uh, Turtle Island and facilitate conversations and do seed keeper trainings within communities is that, you know, many communities are realizing that some of their seeds are no longer um, being held and carried within their communities. That was because of the implications of colonization and acculturation and displacement. And so we are currently working with a whole matrix and network of Uh, institutions and organizations and public and private seed banks and universities to identify where those seeds that are culturally significant to tribal communities exist outside of those communities uh, and do the work on bringing them back home. And so we kind of spun the word repatriation and we call it rematriation because in many of our tribal communities, 
the role and responsibility of caring for the seeds, uh, that particular bundle, is a woman's responsibility. Um, and it's also acknowledging that these seeds are coming home to their communities of origin, their, their mother communities. It's been some of the most impactful work that I've been involved in um, working cross-culturally um, to not only find these seeds where they exist and bring them back home is very healing. Um, we see these seeds as relatives, so there's uh, been new ceremonies developing to honor uh, these seeds um, back home into the rich soil of our everyday life. It's also really healing when we allow ourselves as indigenous peoples to cultivate trusting and healing relationships, to lay aside those differences and to look to the seeds and this work with seeds as a means of reconciliation and a means of reparation. I serve as chair of the board for Seed Savers Exchange, which is the largest public access seed bank in the country. Uh, we've been working with them to identify varieties that, is, that are a part of their large seed collection uh, and respectfully bring them home. And we've been cultivating really beautiful and heartfelt conversations um, in that work. We've been working with the Minnesota Museum of Science, uh, with uh, the University of Michigan, and we're cultivating conversations with museums like the Field Museum, the Peabody Museum, places where we can identify where some of these seeds have gone to, because seeds, just like humans, migrate, seeds migrate as well, and, and really unearthing these incredible stories of the ways in which seeds have moved. Um, we've also unearthed some incredible stories, both present day and historically, where there have been mutually beneficial friendships and relationships between Native people and, um, you know, settler uh, communities uh, and really witnessing the power of um, these seeds and helping to kind of heal uh, some of those divides. We've also been working with uh, a number of different organizations. One is uh, Seed Shed, which is located in the Hudson Valley and the Hudson Valley Farm Hub, and bringing some of our ancestral uh, Mohawk and Haudenosaunee or Iroquois seeds back to the Hudson Valley um, to be able to grow them in fields that, that we would have grown them in historically as Mohawk people. We um, had hunting and fishing grounds, but we also moved down into lower parts of, of eastern New York and would plant um, more around like the Albany area where the soils are more fertile uh, and arable. Uh, and during the time of colonization and acculturation, our people were um, confined to a reservation that's along the banks of the St. Lawrence River, which is not so suitable for agriculture. And so our seeds have really suffered because they're not, it's a big swampland. They don't really grow well there. So in the last three years, we've initiated this really beautiful healing uh, reconciliation garden uh, with folks in the Hudson Valley and have grown like over three acres of of heirloom seeds of that region, which then get rematriated back to Akwesasne and help to nourish people as part of our um, our ceremonies and also are parts of our rites of passage with our, our young people coming into adulthood. So there's all these different iterations of seed rematriation that we've been able to articulate, and it's really exciting to see that part of the work uh, moving yeah, forward. Yeah. I would love to to bring the conversation full circle by having you read to us, if, if you 
are comfortable with that from either the current work you're doing towards a, a book that's that's upcoming or from one of your posts that articulates the, the poetry and the relationship and the spiritual depth that you convey in your writing, Rowan. It's been interesting to use social media to engage in these conversations around the very cultural dimension of agriculture and people's spiritual and emotional connection to plants. It's been oddly enough, just such an incredible platform to connect Mm -hmm. and to kind of stir people's hearts and minds into thinking more about uh, the co-evolutionary dance that plants and humans continue to engage in. (laughs) I am currently working on a, a couple of books. I started working on a manuscript around the cultural history of agriculture within Mohawk and Haudenosaunee communities as I began to learn about it over 20 years, you know, about 20 years ago as a part of my search uh, and inquiry around um, reclaiming those seeds and foods. And so the book that I'm writing uh, currently started almost 15 years ago before I was a mother, and I've been kind of working on it slowly ever since and has evolved into kind of a mirror journey of our nations reclaiming food and seed as a part of our cultural inheritance, and then my own personal journey into reclaiming those into my life. And then I'm also working on an anthology uh, with a number of incredible humans that are um, looking at their work through this cultural lens, and um, it will be an anthology entitled Seeds of Resilience, and it's looking at seed stories through the cultural lens. But I would love to share a reading inspired by this quote that I had heard, and it, it said, we carry our nations with the same love that we carry our children. And so I had posted a really beautiful picture of a, a Native woman carrying her child uh, and really got a lot of response, and so I'll read uh, that piece. We carry our nations with the same love that we carry our children, our seeds, our songs, our prayers, our original agreements. It is our capacity to love fiercely, to defend what we feel most deeply connected to, that will bring about the revolution of the world we know in our hearts as possible. As we work to remember, to pull together the threads of memory and story and sacred embodiment of the wisdom of our ancestors, we are reminded once again, care for the seeds as though they are your children. Care for the earth, for she is your mother. Make yourself into a vessel into which the wise voices of our ancestors can echo. Without this relationship and connection rooted to the love in our hearts, we lose sight of the seed of our true power. As I spoke to hundreds of organic farmers last night as a part of the the Northeast Organic Farmers Association Conference, I was filled with hope to know that this movement to restore the heart into this food resilience path is continuing to be nourished by people of all colors and all backgrounds. Strong, visionary people who are making renewed commitment to love fiercely and to carry our diverse nations into a new day where we can work together against the grain of the colonial tools of divide and distract to grow seeds of hope that will nourish many beyond our time. I love to remind farmers of the noble and sacred endeavors that they embody. I love to be around people who get up early each day to do what must be done to feed the children. It is an honor to witness 
tears welling up in the eyes of hardworking farmers because you've made a connection between their passion and their spirit, reminding them that they too are descendants of lineages of people who love the seeds and earth as family. This is healing work. We crack open the seed coats of our collective amnesia and remember that the heart of any sustainable food movement is in our capacity to love fiercely. This is the sprouting of something very powerful. I hope you all are ready for the gardens that are being planted. Find your unique tools and get ready to join the revolution, for we are seeing young people working together with elders to think creatively about how we can feed and nourish our communities. It is a powerful new dawn. Thank you so much for being a guest on the program today, Rowan. It has been an honor. Well, likewise. Grateful to be able to have the platform to share uh, from my heart. And it's really uplifting and inspiring to know that you two are also cultivating that very human, beautiful connection uh, to the earth and to gardens. And so uh, it really makes me feel uplifted to know that There are many of us working on this front and really cultivating. I have great hope that this movement and this work is multiplying like the seeds themselves, right? And that that it'll continue to grow exponentially and that we will really very shortly kind of see us break through this transition time where we lost connection to food and seed and to the earth. And so it's wonderful to find other allies and compadres and and friends along the path who remind us that we're not alone in this work. So thank you for uh, inviting me. Rowan White is a seed keeper and grower of seed stewards through education and immersion projects around the country. A Mohawk woman, wife, and mother, Rowan is the founder of Sierra Seeds, a seed and seed stewardship and education cooperative in Nevada County, California. A leader in this work, Rowan is the current chair of Seed Savers Exchange and is an active member of the Indigenous Seed Keeper Network. She's currently at work on two books, so I will be sure to follow up with you when these are out and available on shelves. Join us as the conversations continue on the Seeds of September next week when we move to a more abstract Seeds of Things conversation when we visit with Matthew Benson of Stonegate Farm in upstate New York. For Matthew, the beautiful seeds of his farm and his finding home and calling are part and parcel. There are so many ways that people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Cultivating Place is a listener-supported co-production of North State Public Radio. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. To subscribe to the Cultivating Place podcast so you never miss a conversation, as well as to read more about and see many photos from Rowan White's work and Sierra Seeds, head over to cultivatingplace.com. Cultivating Place is distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.